the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Let's bring on Patrick O'Hare from Briefing.com. I start my day every day reading Mr. O'Hare's page one column. It gives me insights into the markets, kind of calms me in case I missed something. How are you, Mr. O'Hare? Hey, Rob. I'm doing well, thank you. Good to be back with you. Good, good. Um, this market, you know... S&P 500 hit a recent all-time high. The Dow hit a recent all-time high. The Nasdaq got back to 5,000. And uh, the internal editor in my head is turning on and saying, that's probably not a good thing because that's when the bears come out, when things are great. Something along those lines. Um, are you feeling the same thing I'm feeling, that it's, it's time for not an all-time low because we don't want to go to zero, yeah. but it's, it's been too good for too long? Well, you know, what what bothers me right now, though, is that there's kind of really just – I don't feel like there's really any strong um, attention to, you know, to the underlying economic data. You know, right now I think you've got this disconnect uh, taking place, and you've had it for a while, really, where you've got the disconnect between the financial markets and the real economy. Um, now, I absolutely would admit the real economy has gotten better uh, than it was few years ago, uh, but it's still not out of the woods, and we're seeing a series of economic releases uh, since the start of the year that uh, basically point to the notion that the economy is not going to hit escape velocity and certainly not going to sustain escape velocity here in the near future, and yet you have the market continuing to run to new highs all at the same time while earnings growth estimates can continue to come down. Um, and, you know, we've talked for a long time, Rob, and, and I keep coming back to the idea if you if you look for a, a rationale or a reason why it can keep doing what it's doing, you know, it's right there in front of us with that, you know, Fed funds rate at the zero bound. I mean, the market is just following this uh, trend or playing the trend that you just don't fight the Fed, and it's going to run this as far as it can for as long as it can until it really gets burned. And so far it has not been the case, and it's it's been a case of really um, – believing that the Fed's policy can buy time for this economy to catch up uh, and for these uh, the run in the stock indices to you know all-time highs can be then uh, rationalized uh, in a, on a more on a stronger fundamental basis but right now I think we're getting a little detached from what's going on fundamentally here and I would think that the market should be somewhat ripe for a setback in the near term now with that said I mostly agree with 99 percent of what you you know, throughout there. I recently looked at my 401k. I'm like, I'm going to tinker a little bit. I'm going to go a little more small cap. And I changed my allocations. 
based on that kind of theory that you just set up that we're due for. But and I was I had a lot of S and P 500. I had a lot of uh, dividend achievers. I tinkered a bit. That's how I respond to we need a pullback or I feel a pullback. It's like feeling an earthquake. It may not happen, but it doesn't hurt to get prepared for it. Are you doing anything either personally or through your commentary to to lighten the load a little bit, but not panic to maybe shift some assets? Yeah, um, yeah, I am. You know, and uh, I can say you know I tinkered a little bit too with my 401k and that I you know reallocated more toward Europe um, out of um, out of out of cash, frankly, not necessarily reducing my uh, holdings in the U.S., but simply had money in cash reserve and. Uh, and uh, allocated more toward uh, the European markets uh, on the basis that, uh, you know, I feel like in Europe we're, we're sort of at that point where, you know, the U.S. market was uh, 2009, 2010, where you're just getting the start of QE. Um, you have a weaker euro uh, that's going to help support uh, earnings growth for those uh, multinational European companies. Uh, you have really low expectations uh, surrounding earnings growth and economic growth. Um, and so I think that uh, the, the, the potential is there for European markets to do well um, over a multi-year time horizon here now uh, as things hopefully do get better. Um, so, uh, so that's what I did personally. Um, and then in terms of what, you know, communicating toward, uh, to readers of, of briefing.com is to, you know, pay attention to this fact that, you know, earnings growth estimates are, are coming down and you have stock valuations that are, are, are rising at the same time. And so um, I think we're nearing this inflection point where it's going to be, you know, that easy money trade, if you will, is not going to be so easy. And I, and I think what you're alluding to, Rob, is it's absolutely the prudent thing to do. Um, you know, from a portfolio rebalancing standpoint, you've got a number of, you know, individual stocks, even sectors that have had tremendous runs uh, where, you know, money can be taken off the top and reallocated toward those underperforming areas uh, if you have a more patient mindset. So, for instance, you know, you've got uh, energy really depressed here. Uh, you've got some of those technology names uh, that have done extremely well. Um, say Apple, for instance, right? Everyone owns Apple, it seems. Uh, had a, a tremendous run. The company's doing great. Fundamentals are still good. But, um, you know, perchance there's, you know, an opportunity there back something off a little bit and reallocate toward the energy stocks with uh, with house money, if you will, and uh, and wait that out uh, and uh, and and see that that turn. Um, it's not going to come immediately, but I think that's the nature of you know uh, of being attentive to portfolio rebalancing and having a longer term mindset because in the end that should pay off quite well. You mentioned something interesting there. You said everybody owns Apple, right? Um, the last time NASDAQ was at 5,000, I think everyone did own individual stocks, but now everyone tends to own ETFs, with the exception of maybe Apple. Um, how does that change your flow? Or maybe speak to that a little bit of good idea, bad idea. Well, you've certainly seen a tremendous increase in the appeal of uh, these exchange-traded products uh, and exchange-traded funds that uh, they offer some nice uh, – uh, diversification and with uh, lower costs and certainly with higher levels of liquidity in a lot of instances. Um, so from a uh, uh, from a trading standpoint, you know there's some appeal there, um, and certainly from an act, active portfolio management standpoint, there's there's appeal there uh, as opposed to necessarily just going into mutual funds um, where you can't get out intraday if you really need to. But 
Um, but I think there is some concentration risk, though, um, when uh, we have these macro trades, if you will, with high correlation, where kind of like everything seems to go up, you know, off of the latest headline, and then everything goes down on the next headline, and you just you know, you're riding that roller coaster, and I think some of that does have to do with the fact that there's been a proliferation in these exchange-traded products uh, and, and a higher degree of allocation there than there has been in the past and likely will continue to be. So, um, you know, concentration risk is something that I think investors need to be aware of and uh, conscientious about, um, and that's why, you know, you look at a stock like Apple where, you know, I say it somewhat facetiously. I, personally, I don't own Apple, but I'm just saying that if you look at all of, like, the, the, the leading mutual funds, uh, you know, most of them will have Apple in their portfolios, and it does seem to be, like, the stock to own, and, and, um, and you have to be mindful of things like that because if something goes bad for that company, um, you get people that kind of finally – start to think, you know, probably the best days are behind it, and then you start seeing that reduction uh, in ownership take place, and it can kind of, you know, snowball on itself because no one wants to be the last last one, you know, standing there. So um, I'm not predicting that. I'm not forecasting that anytime soon for Apple. I'm just saying it is something that people need to be aware of, whether it's Apple or any other stock that's made a big move or any other sector that's made a big move uh, with a lot of fanfare behind it. Speaking with Chief Market Analyst Patrick O'Hare with Briefing.com. Great site, a lot of information, whether it be on ETFs, trading, swinging, swing trading, not swinging, um, overall stock market, the business, you know, the, of the economy. There's a lot of content there. Is there anything that you're working on right now that you want to make us aware of? We've got about two minutes. Yeah, I, I, I've got to, uh, you know, kind of what we talked about at just at the top of the interview is simply, you know, paying attention to the economic data that's, that's coming in that continues to be weaker than expected here in the early part of 2015. And we're going to get a, a key report here on Friday with the February employment report. Uh, I don't think the market is concentrated so much on what non-farm payrolls are going to be as it is what uh, hourly earnings are going to be. We saw a real nice gain in January. Um, our chief economist, Jeff Rosen, thought uh, a good portion of that had to do with uh, some of the one-time impacts of minimum wage increases. So we're going to need to watch that report carefully because we know that the Federal Reserve is going to be watching it carefully uh, with respect to the hourly earnings trend to see if there was any follow-through from those strong January results. Uh, and if there was, uh, you might see the market get a little bit upset because it's going to have to uh, reprice its expectations potentially for the timing of the first uh, hike in the federal funds rate uh, as uh, you know, a higher-than-expected hourly earnings number could drive some inflation concerns or at least drive this attitude that inflation is trending toward a level that the Fed's going to feel more comfortable raising rates at. So uh, it's going to be a key report to watch, and uh, probably we'll be commenting on that later in the week. Thanks very much. We are paying attention to the jobs report because it's part of the teeter-totter between valuations and job creation and low interest rates. Um, it's a big one. Thanks very much. That's Patrick O'Hare, Chief Market Analyst with Briefing.com. You can find out more about what Briefing offers and doesn't offer. I find it to be very robust, very user-friendly. You can find out more about that at Briefing.com. Some of the other stories out there today that I'm looking at, uh, ASCAP, um, or ASCAP, the music licensing agency is in one sense, fighting for its survival, seeking to change decades-old rules that fit the online economics of the nowadays, you know, streaming. They pulled in over a billion dollars in revenue last year for the first time. 
The American Society of Composers, Authors, and Publishers collect royalties whenever the more than 10 million songs it represents are played on radio or TV broadcasters. So ASCAP alive and well. Last year, they got paid about $883 million, or they paid $883 million of their members. Now they're paying over a billion dollars. Pretty healthy, right? Don't let the music industry cry poor on you. Find out more about me and my webinars and seminars at robblack.com. I got one coming up. Find out at robblack.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.